I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging from the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I'm on drugs again! (laughs) Surprise! Oh, oh, shit, (laughs) y'all. She kept that from me. She kept it from me. She waited. She had like an hour long conversation and didn't say a thing. And then the mic, and then I, I hit the, the mic got hot and she was like coming with it. Ain't no party without drugs. I, I, it was so hard. It was so hard because I, I'm on so many drugs and I just, I'm on uppers, I'm on downers. I got to level out. <laughs> oh man. Well. Longtime listeners or recent <laughs> listeners, I feel I feel like it happens a lot. Uh, it's going to be a good one, <laughs> friends. This is episode two hundred and thirty-five. If you would like to listen to all the other two hundred thirty-four episodes, many of which Caitlin was on drugs for, you can go <laughs> wherever you get your audio content: Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, Google. Wow! Give us that, a follow. Oh, that was good. Give that was fo- good. I like that. <laughs> Give us a follow, like, comment, subscribe, what have you, and henceforth, new episodes of this program will be brought to your device from the back of a man who doesn't require drugs to have a good time. Chauncey, Vestalicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Chauncey, Chauncey. (laughs) How was that intro (laughs) that you didn't like the last one? Wow, I love punchy drug adultgate. Chauncey does not require narcotics. He needs to stay focused. He needs to stay clear-headed to deliver episodes of this program directly to your device so you don't have to do anything else. It's what he lives for. It's what he loves to do. The only high he needs is the satisfaction of providing you with this content each and every week. Yeah, watch it until he gets endometriosis. Then he's going to need drugs. <laughs> if you would like to join me in staging Caitlin's intervention, you can hop on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. <laughs> Give us a follow on there. Add us, reply us, tell us how much Caitlin's addiction is hurting you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You know, what, you know what's going to happen? Hmm. You're going to get a bunch of messages about how punchy, drugged up Caitlin's the best. It really is. Listen. You want you want this or sleepy in pain, Caitlin? I will take this. So we gotta we gotta keep it moving because the drugs are gonna wear off and the quality of this episode is just gonna sink the second it does. Also, your man's forgot it was daylight savings time last night as we recorded this and woke up this morning with sand eyes and was very confused. <laughs> it's like how did um, th- how did this happen? Right, that the thing. The only again. thing. The only thing that is worse than forgetting or that daylight saving time has begun and you're losing an hour is when you forget that and you're also addicted to Mass Effect Andromeda. Or Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. More on that 
in update. So friends, between Kate's addictions and my lack of sleep, uh, we are going to be light and tight today. If you would like to thank us for being so concise financially, don't. We appreciate it. Save your money. Lockdown Save three. it for that, that vacation you're going to take to <laughs> the end of the <laughs> earth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when everything's done in like a year and a half. Okay. Vac- vacations. Okay. Mike <laughs> keeps telling me, save your money for you know, don't don't buy any more records. Save your money for Japan, bro, bro, bro. When am I going? When am I going? When am I going, bro? Twenty twenty two. Twenty 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 two. I could be dead by then. <laughs> uh no, you won't. <laughs> oh no, no, you will because you're drinking all that coffee. Just because I'm on cup four to make it through the day, y'all. I don't think Keurigs really count. <laughs> That's coffee. Oh my god. <laughs> Hey, if my drugs count, your coffee counts. Uh, look forward to start when I start vibrating <laughs> to the frequency <laughs> of the universe, friends. <laughs> friends, there's no real news today. Before we get into anything, though, I had an idea for a new segment I wanted to try, and she tells me she's got one locked and loaded. So, friends, Caitlin and I don't talk a lot between episodes. I mean, we talk a fair bit. But not all the time, primarily through Facebook Messenger and you sometimes just through, you know, GIFs or, or you know, emoji reactions to mostly to what I have said. <laughs> three days later, you know I'll what? get... It's the way I communicate, three days okay? Later, three days later, I'll get a GIF or a Caitlin has replied to your message. And it's just the LMAO uh, emoji tagged, pinned to it. <laughs> I, every... I communicate hmm. through through moving hieroglyphs, Okay. <laughs> That is how I communicate. Every so often, Caitlin, while providing an insight into how she spends her week, will ask me a question that I could never have predicted would just pop up in my messenger one day. Previous examples (laughs) include, do you have any Kirk Franklin? Referring to gospel choir (laughs) musical director, Kirk Franklin. (laughs) The answer was no, followed three weeks later or so with, why do Japanese people love spam so much? And the answer to that was, I don't know, Kate. <laughs> but then I, but then I, I found out the reason and I shared the information with you because sharing information about the interconnectedness of the world <laughs> is my favorite thing. Turns out it was so sad. <laughs> that's why, that's why Japanese people love spam. Well, it was because, I'm going to inform everyone, because I love sharing my knowledge so much, uh, after World War II, when the USGIs were stationed in Japan, they gave out spam to families that were hungry. It was part of the, the rations, um, and like specifically in Okinawa, and then it spread from there. And fun fact to just, you know, for a fun fact Friday, or if you want to impress a date, um, the country that eats the most spam in the entire world is South Korea. Well, there you have it. Friends, all of this is a prelude to an idea for a segment I had, which is questions from Caitlin I never saw coming. And she tells me she has one locked and loaded. So friends, this is as new to me as it will be for y'all. Join us, won't you? from what I'm sure will be delightful in the first of a recurring segment called Caitlin's Questions Jordan Never Saw Coming. Um, can I get a drum roll, please? 
And there will be a drop of, of some sort. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put something in just you know, whenever you're in. Okay. With all the changes that entertainment has had over, I'm going to say, the last 20 years, why has wrestling still managed to have the longevity it's had by not changing its format too much? Hmm. Friends, that's a head scratcher. I have to, I feel like I have to sort of, I just want to use one example. Hmm. Like, let's take Marvel, right? Marvel's had a lot of longevity, but, you know, from comics to, you know, different uh, sort of changes in how comic books are written to um, cartoon television shows to movies to this like golden age of Marvel or whatever you want to call it, or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's gone through many changes in media and an audience and all of that. Um, but, and this kind of comes from this, I, I mentioned it that I didn't realize that Freddie Prince Jr. was like, loved wrestling so much. Yes. Um, and a lot of people who, I don't want to say surprised, I don't think that's a fair assessment. I mean, people who like wrestling and wrestling in general does get a bad rap. Um, but there's so many people uh, who love wrestling, absolutely adore it. And it's a huge part of um, not just their childhoods, but just like the entertainment they consume. And wrestling really hasn't changed that much, right? Um, and I just find it fascinating. One thing I think may have led to this um, as far as the longevity factor is just the sort of consolidation under one umbrella, I think maybe had something to do with it where it became very easy to like consume because you knew this was the place to go to get it. And that was Vince McMahon, whatever he was calling the company at the time, as he bought up all the smaller territories and got all the best talent, like that drew all the eyeballs. There's no hero's journey in, in wrestling generally, but I mean, it is traditionally, it's just battle with heroes and villains and people you root for. And while the format hasn't changed, I definitely think the audience's attitude to a certain extent has, because for me, I can, for me, the enjoyment of wrestling speaking, using I statements right now, just speaking for myself has become less about, I don't need to watch a match as it's happening. I basically consume most of my wrestling watching recap videos at this point because for me, I'm just curious about armchair quarterbacking and trying to get into the heads of the booking decisions is like, that's armchair booker is for, you know, stupid marks like me. Like that's, that's the fun for me. It's like, <laughs> why? I wonder why they made that decision. And half the, half the time, you half the time you disagree with every decision they make, or you're like, you know, you want to see at the end of it, it's still cause you know, you have your favorites that don't ever get the shine and you're like, well, what would have to happen? For, I don't know, Sami Zayn have to do to finally really, like, move up the card. I have a great example for you on something, you know, the reason why wrestling can still be awesome. So, flipping from WWE to AEW, who, in the in the wrestling, you know, people who observe wrestling, was having a moment because they were having one of their pay-per-views. They don't have a lot of pay-per-views. Or what they, I don't even know if they're considered pay-per-views every month. You know, you, you pay extra to watch it on your television. Um, yeah. And they were having one of their big, huge cards 
and you know AEW only has three or four of these a year, and the WWE has one every month. Like right. So this was a AEW Revolution, I think it was called. Uh, of note, not for nothing, to mark the official North American debut of Makito. Bless you, Queen. Yeah. Bless you. She's got. She's only. She's only been around for a week, and she's not going to be there full time. She just did a few appearances, and she was definitely on their regular show Dynamite the the next Wednesday. And her gimmick is she comes out because she's a form. She's the fired idol, right? She comes out and sings her entire theme song. And there yeah. was definitely a bit where she came out last. It was a six woman tag match. She came out last, started singing. The rest of the women started fighting in the ring, and the music cut, and she stayed at the top of the stage and just kept singing. <laughs> <laughs> while, the, uh, while the other five brawled in the ring. It was amazing. But this Revolution pay-per-view was highlighted by, or the, the headline, the main event, was a title match between a man who was arguably the best wrestler in the world today, Kenny Omega, versus the former Dean Ambrose from the WWE, who has reinvented himself as just a consummate badass, a guy named John Moxley. And they were going to have a barbed wire exploding ring death match. <laughs> Sounds amazing. This is a thing that has happened in Japan before, um, <laughs> where essentially, one, the ropes are made of barbed wire. Um, oh, my God. They, they In the 90s, there were some real gnarly ones. So a part of it was also like, how was this, how was this going to end? There was also a timer, and the ring was going to, quote, explode at the, after like, you know, half an hour or whatever. So Kenny ends up winning the match. He handcuffs. Uh, John Moxley in the middle of the ring, so he can't get out. The countdown is coming down. What the hell's going to happen? This other wrestler who is like a longtime IRL, longtime friend of D- uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, this guy named Eddie Kingston, they've been on the outs. He comes out and kind of dives on on um, Moxley's body to like cover him, to protect him, pay off to this huge, like, you know, months long story about their kind of like simmering feud. Kingston comes out to save his friend type of thing would have been a huge moment, except when the ring blew up, it was essentially sparklers went up. Oh, this kind of like (laughs) shot out of the ring post (laughs) and there was some smoke, but the problem was the dudes in the ring didn't know that. So Eddie starts selling like he's just been murdered and it looked not great. And AEW is still only a company for like only been a company for like a year and a half, almost two years. So I mean, from a production, from a TV standpoint, you're like, why the ref's job is to kind of, in any wrestling matches to kind of like finesse things and like relay right. messages from production. They have an earpiece in relay messages to the wrestlers. Why he wasn't like just in Eddie's ear, like it looks like shit. Like <laughs> it looked like shit. <laughs> Don't sell it. Don't sell it. Or like why they didn't cut to black. A million different ways that the WWE would have known to like pull out of it. They just didn't know. And it ended up looking like crap and led to a lot of disappointment. A lot of people were like, this could have been a maker, you know, this could have like really elevated them to like serious competition to the WWE. We could have had a dog fight again. And they ended up just kind of looking clown shoes a little bit. Right. The question then became, how were they going to salvage this on the Wednesday show where they, they had to address it? Why Eddie Kingston sold like he'd just been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> because some firecrackers went off. The thing about Eddie Kingston you need to realize is he's the best, one of the best talkers because he just, his commitment <laughs> to everything he says 
is so unbelievable. He's like this, like, he sounds like he comes from like Red Hook, Brooklyn. Like he's just like, he's just, he's just that dude. Like, and he has legit been to prison. And he started into this story about like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I thought, you know, one of my best friends was about to be seriously injured. I thought I was about to be seriously injured. And he sells it as like he had a panic attack in the ring. That's how he sells it. That's why he reacted the way he did, despite it looking not great. I guess if you think you're going to blow up. Right? Genius. <laughs> Genius. You pulled that, that, that whole match was just a nosedive, just like a blot. And it's still like, you know, all that, all anybody's going to remember is the finish. But, you know, he, if anybody was going to talk their way out of it, it was, it was Eddie Kingston and he did. And that's the shit that, like, you just have to, like, applaud wrestling for. It's funny, you mentioned Freddie Prince Jr. Randomly on Instagram, I saw somebody screen capped a tweet from him where he was, he worked as a producer or he worked backstage. He was never on screen, really. And the tweet was basically, like, if you knew how badly most networks don't want wrestling on their airwaves, you would stand up and applaud everything AEW and Ring of Honor and, you know, New Japan and the WWE do every week. Like, it's, you know, it's carny stuff, right? It's uh, most networks still consider it lowbrow and lowest common denominator stuff. And it often is, but I think at the end of the day, good guys and bad guys (laughs) turning on each other and, you know, the spectacle of it without actual, like, like, I don't want to watch MMA. I don't want to watch people actually punch each other and get hurt. And like, yeah. I don't, that's not, that's not fun for me. As, as your man, Chris Jericho once said, it's like, it's like jazz. Like I still don't understand and probably, and never will. Cause I'm not going to be, <laughs> the ship has sailed on me being a pro wrestler. Um, <laughs> I still got time. <laughs> I can still do it. Jericho likened it to jazz where like, you know, two things you want to do in the ring and you know how it's going to end, but everything else you're just kind of making up. That's, that's the, the magic, if you will. That's the mystery. It's like, Hmm. these guys don't know what they're going to do before they get in the ring, but two guys or women who can work well together and make it look seamless. Like, Oh, it's, it's like improvisation, like an improv show, but actually entertaining. (laughs) Yep. I've come from you. I've come for you, improv. Shots. Punch, punch you drugged up Kate's coming for the improv crowd. Oh, I'll cut a bitch. So that was... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it took far too long than I thought it would, and I'll probably end up cutting it in post, but uh, that was my answer to <laughs> Caitlin's question for Jordan. He did not see coming. Kate, you know something else I didn't see coming this week? What? Queen season back, motherfuckers. Oh, man. It's so exciting. So I go on Facebook for like two things. One of which is to check any updates from the Perfume Fans International group on Facebook, which is a group dedicated to the J-Pop Trio Perfume. Friends, if you're new, they are, I have like five core fandoms in my life. That's probably over, even overselling it. No, no, Jordan. Hmm. Jordan, stop. Hmm. All you need to know that in the way that prefectures in Japan have characters that are like their mascots, <laughs> their mascots, yes. The the queens, 
this band Perfume, they are our mascot. And it's really a fandom I don't share with anyone. I kind of want Kate over, but, you know, she's still not as fanatical as I am. She doesn't seek this stuff out herself. She just relies on me to be like, look what happened now. Um, yeah, it's, it's not great. So, it's not the, something I share with Mr. Melage or, you know, someone cute or, you know, things like that. It has four. I mean, I can go into the secret origins of how I discovered this at one point later on. But I mean, it's always been just a thing for me. It's a thing I found on my own that just kind of resonated for whatever reason. Go out and buy 33 and a third B-sides and you can read my 2000 word distillation of why this group clicked with me. And they have made moves globally in North America before. They played Coachella and got very had a very acclaimed set at Coachella a couple years ago. They've toured. They did a concert in Toronto that we went to. They did. They've done concerts in New York that I've been to. They did a concert in Toronto that Caitlin and I went to. Um, and they have also done these sort of like theater shows or like what their version of like, if they were ever to do a Las Vegas residency, like this is what it would look like. It's a theater show. It's not as big as their like, you know, stadium shows. There's no banter with the crowd really until the end end. It's almost like an art installation because they work really uh, closely with this art, technological art group <laughs> called Rhizomatics who do all their visuals. Um, anyway, these shows that they've done in the theaters are called Reframe, and they have filmed and released them for the NHK a couple times. I think one they edited together to show in theaters, and I saw on the Facebook group that Reframe 2019 is just dropping on global Netflix on Friday. So, while the rest of y'all are getting amped up for Falky and Winwin <laughs> to come through, that's Falcon and Winter Soldier, y'all. Uh, and that's what I'll be calling that show for the next, you know, three months or however long I have to talk about it. When y'all are riding hard for Falcon and Win-Win, I'll just be watching Reframe again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was a little curious as to what was on this uh, program because, you know, this was going... I immediately hopped on Instagram and was like, this is happening. And then <laughs> added a second slide to be like, if you've ever, you know, you've heard me talk about these women for seven years... Seven years, Kate. That's the closest I can pin it to when I really started, like... Just a long time. Like, riding for for the queens. Um, if you've ever wondered why, just watch this thing. It's 90 minutes. You're going to be on Netflix anyway. Like, just watch some of it. And I was like, well, what? Can, can I stand by that statement? And I went back and uh, st- went to see if I had a copy, downloaded it on my laptop. I did, obviously, because that's who I am as a person. And <laughs> I was skimming through it, and I hit this point where... It's a song from their last album that always chokes me up a little bit to begin with, but just the way it was presented where they had, I don't even know how to describe it. They were just doing shit with lights. <laughs> it was just like, you know, little like stage lighting that made like little light pins like all around them and like followed them as they danced. And it was just like a really like beautiful sort of thing. And I was, I, I remember, I watched this again and remember thinking the first time I watched it, if only I could show this to like, if only everyone could see this, they'd get it. They'd get it. If you saw this, you might not, you might not say like, wow, I ride for them as hard as Jordan does, but you'd be like, damn, that was really fucking cool. Yeah. Now you can, now you can. And that's fucking wild to me. Also dropping on March 19th, which I will not endorse as highly because they are also very dorky as women, um, is 
I don't even remember what the hell is it called? My Disney music story or something like this, which was a thing they had done for Disney plus in Japan, like last year. Mm -hmm. And for some reason is dropping on North America. Also on the 19th. (laughs) Perfume is taking over North America. I mean, all of my streaming services are getting something perfume related, which is wild. Um, and great and unheard of, which brings me to my other point. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. Music Twitter. I saw just some random tweet from a woman I respect and really like. I subscribe to her newsletter. Like, she's very well informed. Does great research. Always digs up. We we like a lot of the same stuff. And she turns me on to stuff I didn't hadn't heard of yet. But she just had some tweet, which was like, Reframe 2018 is actually better. A masterpiece, even. Well, great. Here's your cookie. Like, that's not what we're getting. Like... Do you not understand? It's better. It's better in the on the original vinyl. Like, do you not understand how fucking unheard of coming from a world where like I literally have half of my hard drive is just filled with shit I have to lift off of links from 4chan and Tumblr, like to fill my hard drive with concerts and interview clips and stuff like that because it just wasn't out there. And now Netflix is just gonna drop something and you're gonna like split hairs about it's not the best one. You should read it in the original Greek. You should shut the fuck up. That's what you should do. Shut the fuck up. It's better on cassette. <laughs> we can. T- we can. Uh, the cassette renaissance is a topic for another day. But again, you need to shut the fuck up. You like you like the buzz from this from our audio right now. Just imagine that for an entire album. That was cassettes. And the mu- oh my the, god! The mustache, yeah. the mustache crowd trying to bring that back because vinyl went too mainstream. Anyway. Calm down. I could say a lot more about that, but you just need to calm down. It's unbelievable that this is even happening and you want to parse out. You want to split hairs about how another one was better. Well, guess what? If y'all watch this and you decide it was the greatest thing you've ever seen and you want to see something better, we get it. I know you're just saying that because Butterfly was on 2018 and it's not on 2019. And they never do. And they never do Butterfly. I get it. Yeah, too much. Calm down. Oh, also, just hmm. while we're talking about people calming down, um, I read an article that referred to conspir- Marvel conspiracy theories as a cottage industry. Calm down. Listen, I, I don't know if she ever listens to the show. I'm a caller out by name. The homie Ashley, who sent me a meme that I posted on the show Twitter, if you didn't see it, that in a single image said... Everything I tried to say in like 20 minutes when we talked about WandaVision last. I won't, I won't even describe it further. It's right there at Geek Down Pod on Twitter. It's like two tweets back. Go look at it. It's, it says literally. Laugh uproariously with us. Yes. It says this is actually what y'all are like. And just totally red dot. Nailed it. Red dot blows the head off of all y'all who need to calm down. Kate. Calm down. Yeah. What you been watching? Nothing. Cool. Just too busy doing drugs. Too busy playing Mass Effect. This is a return for you. This is a replay for you, isn't it? No. No, no, no. no. What is this? Mass Effect is three video games. Yes. Original Mass Effect. Um, And senior correspondent Chris and I have played through the game twice, like many years apart, Mm. um, because we love Mass Effect. 
I love Mass Effect. Like, yeah, there were some problems with Mass Effect, but it was a great game. It gave you that um, – I'm just going to start calling it um, the, like, uh, Scooby Squad Buffy team – a gravity falls feel right where you like collecting your team members and you have this bond and you get to explore space and you get to shoot at people and you get to do space archaeology which is my favorite type and Kate, um Kate, yeah you get to fuck yeah. you can all it was really goes to black but <laughs> yes you get to romance lots of people all that jazz and specifically in um original Mass Effect. There is, of course, she is known as Fem Shep. Um, of the two voice actors, she is, like, the voice acting for Fem Shep is just so superior. Sorry, for, no offense to that guy. I, I, I always feel the need to jump in and clarify, because even though I'm, like, a lot of the nerds probably know what that is, we have a lot of not nerds who listen to this, this show and just come for us. Um, what she's referring to is the main character of Mass Effect is Commander Shepard, and w when you start yes. the game, you can choose between a male or female version of Commander Shepard. Yes, Shepherd. and Jennifer Hale, who is my favorite voice actor of all time, um, plays the female Shepard character. What they refer to as Fem Shep. As Fem Shep. Um, to me, she really is the only Shepard. Why? Okay. I'm going to say this and I'm going to get up so many people being like, nye, 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 nye. why you would play a video game with a male lead. I just don't understand. It's just boring. Yo, coming in it's hot. boring. It's so boring. And we get so few video games that have just like a character, not a female character, not a, 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 a video game or a storyline that focuses them on being a female version of that character. This is just that character who happens to be female and totally changes a game and interactions. And I just find it so much more complex and deep and fun. And anyways, if you had a choice, I just don't know why you would pick a male character. I know I'm going to get so much hate. And blah, 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 it's everyone's choice. Good. I'm glad everyone has choices. Shut the fuck up. Anyway. We really like these games. <laughs> um, many years ago, uh, it was BioWare, EA, and some other company, I can't remember, got together and came up with its – it's weird. It's not a sequel. It's not a prequel. It's like adjacent to Andromeda. I didn't really understand what it was until we started playing. So what happens is uh, – because I don't think they know how to, like, come up with a, with a sequel. They kind of fucked up the ending of the third Mass Effect, which is another story for another time. Um, and a lot of people were really upset. And I, they, I don't think they know how to do a sequel um, to it. So they kind of made this. And now that I know more about it, I actually think it was a really good – move it's like a lateral story but basically it's about a ship from the milky way galaxy that decides that they want to now explore the andromeda andromeda galaxy which is the closest galaxy to us um but it's going to take 600 years <clears throat> to get through what they call dark space um to get to andromeda i have no idea what they're going to find now they've done some long-range scans they found some planets which 
they're called they called them uh goldilocks planets i think that's what they called them in andromeda they called them gold zone or something planets it just means that planets that most likely can support life so they have this good idea of that they will be able to start you know exploring these new planets uh i hate to use the word colonizing them but colonizing them or meeting new aliens you know all that jazz um and to me that's so cool <laughs> um i know that you know it's not for everyone but it just it ramps up that idea of like exploring new places um there is a whole aspect of ancient alien um oh no I, uh, I just said it you know people who find things uh archaeology indiana jones archaeology um there's a whole aspect of like ancient uh, alien archaeology and there's a bunch of puzzles and they just they have so much going on in these games and that's one of the things i really enjoy about them again you are allowed to pick your character modify what they look like um female or male all that jazz there's lots of romance options which to me i'm just like Bleh, i don't care um and it's so good. I mean, the, the graph because it's a later game, the graphics are better. We've downloaded a bunch of mods, which make it even cooler. Yeah, I just I I feel like I know when it came out, a lot of people seem to be unhappy with it. Um, I don't know why. Uh, it's been tons of fun. Um, and yeah, I I just am totally like the only thing I want to do is play this game. I don't want to watch anything else. <laughs> I just want I just want to learn more about the ancient aliens like and like make the planets more viable like that's what I want to do um and help people because that's a big part of the game. Um so yeah, I I it's really good. I I feel bad that it had done so badly. Um I might have to look up why at the time it was rated so poorly. Um I could be wrong about that, but that's from memory that's what I heard. And when it came out initially uh, senior correspondent Chris and I had no desire to play it. Um, we were just looking for a game that we could play together, N not two person, but as in like enjoy together. And uh, and this is it. So yeah, if you're looking for a cool game that has lots of elements of things for you to do, um, and you can sink your teeth into this is this is it. And also the the art of the game is is fantastic um i'm really really enjoying it the end well y'all it's rare that anything can distract her from mystery solving old ladies so yeah now i have a mystery solving young lady For, is right forget what the review said if you need any sort of you know critical evaluation of the massive <laughs> this mass effect game that's all you need to know um yeah. what did i get into a book i forgot to mention last week that i have been reading Having finished uh, Strange Weather in Tokyo, which was the last book I mentioned on the show, I moved on to a book called Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. No one is surprised by that name. I <laughs> all Jordan reads all Jordan reads is Japanese authors. Did did you mention? Did you just mention it to me? We talked about it off mic. Yeah, I forgot to mention it on, oh, the, okay. uh, on right. the show. Before the gets uh, Before the Coffee Gets Cold is essentially it's almost written kind of like kind of like a Netflix series. Um, where each sort of chapter is is a sort of episode about people who come to this cafe where 
legend has it, you can go back in time. Um, there are a bunch of rules attached to that, uh, not the least of which is you can only... The trip can only last as long as it takes your coffee to get cold. That's as long... That's amazing. That's as long as you get. There are a bunch of other little... It's almost like Death Note where they just keep finding up different rules. They haven't found new rules. They kind of lay out a bunch of them, but and it seems super complicated. But, I mean, in Japan, it's just kind of like how it goes. Um, if they don't deviate from that, if they don't get Death Note, and it doesn't become a thing where it's like, it'd be great if I could do this. Well, turns out you can. Thanks, Death Note. Um, <laughs> fucking hated that thing. So that soured me on manga, which is another topic for another time. Stylistically, I like the writing a little better than Strange Weather in Tokyo, which was very, like plain when i read translations of japanese literature a lot of the time it's just you know the translation is like the apple was red like a sunset cool <laughs> it's not a, not a lot of flair there um this one seems to have a lot more flair and the second story has to do with a uh, gentleman who has early onset alzheimer's who has just forgotten his wife so that's that's Aww. gonna that's gonna be an upper and i don't know what he wants to go back in time for but he does and it's probably gonna be heartbreaking uh, speaking of heartbreaking, <laughs> finished it to sin. The story about the AIDS crisis in 1980s London. Yeah. Went about as well as you think that would go. I told you it was going to be terrible. All I will say, and not to shit on one division again, or just Marvel in general, I watched WandaVision, all eight episodes and, or nine episodes, I don't remember how many it was. <laughs> um, enjoyed it, had a fine time, you know, whatever, did not shit myself like the rest of y'all did, but I mean, it was fine, but as established, you know, during the big heart-pounding action scenes, I just kind of flipped on my phone. I watched the final episode of It's a Sin, where, spoilers, if you're ever going to watch this show, maybe skip ahead. I'm giving you ample time. Skip ahead. Hit the 15 seconds. Maybe another five or six times. Now you get the hell out of here! There you go. Um, I'll I'll, I'll yell really loudly when we're done. (laughs) It'll be great. When your main character has contracted HIV, and his parents find out... And come to, they came to London to visit him for Christmas and surprise him to find out he is in hospital. And then basically for one shot, they follow the mom around the hospital as she pieces together what he's actually in the hospital for and why and what that means. And then they take him back to the Isle of Wight and won't let his friends see him. And when his friends, um, primarily, I don't remember her name, but she gets very... Um, active and kind of like the AIDS awareness campaigns and protests and things like that and lives with him and goes with another one of their roommates to the Isle of Wight and calls every day from a bed and breakfast to try to see him and his mom, I think his name was Richie and Richie's mom won't let uh, them come or just kind of plays it off type of thing. And when they finally meet up at the end of the episode and the mom says, you know, you know, Richie said he wants to see you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh, that's great. You know, let's like, let's go. And the mom's just like, we can't. He died yesterday. <gasps> and I yelled, fuck off <laughs> at my television, IRL, in real life, from just some human drama. So, and then the following scene where Richie's friend basically is like, I don't know why your house was so loveless. 
that Richie grew up with so much shame because that shame meant he never told people and he killed people because of it. Cause Richie kept sleeping with people when he knew he was positive. Oh. It is one of the most brutal and wrenching scenes I've ever watched on television. And yeah. again, these things, these are all two different things, but I mean, there's, there's Doritos and there's vegetables. And this was some, this was some real good vegetables. Y'all um, it's on Amazon. It's five episodes. You can watch it in two nights. I know it's a rough hang, but I might encourage y'all to do it. Kate, let the people know they can come back. Ah! Sorry, y'all. As mentioned earlier, Kate is not the only one who uh, is finding joy in video games again. I continue to play FF7 Remake and being delighted, friends. I sent Caitlin a 50-minute video and was like, just watch this and understand that I've been screaming with delight for the last like 25 minutes i was very surprised there was a brief brief moment in the original game sorry this is final fantasy 7 remake which is a remake of an early 90s a mid early to mid 90s role-playing game called final fantasy 7 this is a hd remake retelling of uh that game and in that game there was in the briefest moment where you have to, like, rescue one of your party who's been taken by this, like, you know, king of the black market in Midgar. But, you know, nobody's getting in except women. So Cloud puts on a dress. Ha ha, Cloud's in a dress. Take your little polygon character and walk him, <laughs> walk him into the audition for Don Corneo to find a wife. And people were always wondering, was this going to get added to the HD retelling remake of the game? And to say they included it is to do it a disservice. They said to the Yakuza series, hold my beer. It is 20 minutes of just this incredible dance burlesque <laughs> making the Moulin Rouge look like a black and white movie, like trans right <laughs> kind of trans rights adjacent, uh, <laughs> extravaganza. And, I was literally stunned. And then when they put the button on it where Cloud finally finds Tifa, and I think they've been gassed and they wake up and Tifa doesn't recognize him at first, and she's like, Cloud? Is that you? Oh my god, that makeup and that dress. Nailed it. I know. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> it's so well voice acted. I fucking busted out laughing. It was so perfect. Like, there was a lot of hype around this game when it was coming out. Cause you can't take a game like final fantasy seven, which is was not only beloved at the time, but it spawned all this other stuff that was never quite as good or got, you know, a little too weird or like they were milking it into other side stories and things like that. And it's like, if you're just going to redo it again, if you're just going to do final fantasy seven again, to say the expectations were high were uh, putting it very mildly, but God damn, if they didn't like meet them and it's, also harder than I expected. <laughs> okay. That's actually, that's good. We're not just, like I said before, I was really having a hard time like juggling party members. I kind of got that down a little bit, but you know, the spell system in this game is based around materia, which is this little, these little like jewels or rocks or something that you put in your weapons. And that's what lets people do spells. I don't have enough of them to go around at any given time. And the party has split at where I'm at in the game. So like, 
So resource management is now a new aspect of the game. Yes. Cloud by himself. Good luck. Cloud by himself. Mm-mm, I'm just burning through potions because he ain't that good a healer. Uh, getting killed. Also, Aerith is Jesus, and I'm going to fucking sob whenever. That, I'm almost like the point at the point they've changed so much on the game. I'm like, just how about you just don't kill her? How about you just don't kill her? <laughs> Please? Can you not kill Aerith? Please? I'm predicting she's going to get murdered. And I'm going to get some sort of text or video or just sob oh, you, emojis. You'll just, you'll just get the scene the, the scene off YouTube sent to you with like 1,700 sob emojis. Yeah. Because they are really just going out of their way to make her the best person on the planet. Like, definitely when the party is split, it's because the evil corporation is going to... Midgar is basically a tower, and there's like an upper city and an under city. And it's like the upper city is on plates. And... They're basically to smash this resistance group. They're just going to drop the plate on Sector Seven and just smash the entire, <laughs> the entire city. Drop the, the plate. Drop the plate. No, we don't want to drop the plate. That's bad. Uh, oh, listen, dopey. Apparently, when I'm on drugs, I like violence. Okay, <laughs> more than usual. Um, so chaos is everywhere. Cloud is off on one one part, trying to run up to the tower to stop them from self destructing. The pillar that's going to hold the plate. Aerith is in the city trying to, like, you know, get people out and tell them what's happening. And it's a scene where, like, explosions and helicopters are crashing. And you are controlling Aerith as she carries, like, a six-year-old to, like, the escape tunnel that people are getting out of. And it's like, you are literally just, yes, you are you are Jesus and the Dalai Lama in one person. And it's going to be rough, y'all. But, you know, it's video game development. I'll probably be 50 by the time I have to deal with that. <laughs> anyway that's what i got up to y'all well it's not all i got up to because kate brought something for us to get into this week i did so maybe we'll get into that after this break Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. We've sort of changed things in the last little while. We're now just one of us is bringing stuff to both of us. We're, yeah, we're still just talking about the things we brought each other, but it's one of us bringing something for both of us instead of each of us bringing something for the other because that gets long. Yeah, it gets <laughs> real long. So we want to make things light and tight, especially because of like coffee and drugs and, you know, short lifespans. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, uh, to keep things rolling, mm. we have some rules. Yep. The first rule is the rule of three, which is if the thing comes in parts, which it does, you're to watch three of them so you get a sense of what the thing's trying to become. Even if it's an hour second, an episode. Uh, second thing is hashtag save it for the pod, which is the rule that we will not talk about the thing before we are sitting in front of these microphones. Unless it's an hour an episode. <sighs> and the <laughs> then third I, then I yell thing about it. <laughs> over Facebook, and then I send a gift back. Yep, going. Ugh. That's our relationship. Um, yeah, and then the third rule, which really isn't a rule, it's just a policy, is that there will be spoilers. So if you don't like that, you need to go. Get the fuck out. 
Do some yoga. Do some stretches. Make some tea. Do some breathing exercises. There's so many options. Just don't piss and moan about spoilers about a show that's like four years old. Not to us. Not not to us. I mean, to your friend, sure. Again, you could go and do that with your friends. Um, but without further ado, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the Orville. I have been on about the Orville since it came out, which I guess was 2017. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Seth, Seth MacFarlane. There were occasionally things that he does that I think are great, and then occasionally things that he does that I'm like, this is terrible. Um, and so I was sort of worried about the Orville in kind of the same way I was worried about uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Talk about what the Orville was, is first and then worried. talk about why why you okay. would have had concerns. The Orville is an American science fiction comedy drama television series created in, and by and starring Seth MacFarlane as series protagonist Ed Mercer, an officer in the Planetary Union's line of exploratory space vessels in the 25th century. Um, it's definitely – it is – inspired by Star Trek and specifically Next Generation. Um, And it uh, pays homage to and then also parodies parts of that. Um, Specifically like things like uh, Spaceship is Carpeted, which I always thought (laughs) was weird in Star Trek, but they've like replicated that. And and but that's also the reason why I love the show. So I had worries that it was going to be too Family Guy. Um, and it's the first episodes, first season, maybe a little bit more. Second season, definitely not as much. Um, they do a pretty good job of balancing the comedy and also the important questions that Star Trek asks, but. I know that one of the reasons I gave this to Jordan is A, because I really enjoy it. B, I thought he would enjoy it. And C, because there's this conversation recently about uh, Star Trek and specifically the TV shows, specifically Discovery and even Picard to a certain extent about how it's gone from this positive, optimistic outlook on space exploration and gone into more of a dark or darker line of, of, um, I guess thought or, or basis for the show. And a lot of people are upset about that because Star Trek was always supposed to be about diplomacy, not war. And if it was about war, it was what what is the cost of that war and how do we get out of this war and how do we make peace and how do we um, move ahead, that kind of thing. Uh, the Orville for a lot of people is more the Star Trek of the TNG era and Voyager and Deep Space Nine than Discovery and Picard. And I wanted to know what Jordan's thoughts were on about all that. So, Jordan. Besides the episodes being an hour long, what did you think? As, as one comment I saw on an article about the show said, hey, look, they found the light switch. Um, <laughs> 
recent Star Trek has all been very dimly lit. Uh, yes. Part of their aesthetic. The aesthetic. Dark-ass starships. Um, as Caitlin said, for many people, the barrier to entry here will be Seth MacFarlane and how you feel about Seth MacFarlane. Um, yeah. I don't know that Seth MacFarlane... I don't know that his work is necessarily the best representation of the man, but I do mm. have a hard time shaking the fact that this is a man who got up on stage at the Oscars and sang a song to uh, women assembled in the audience called We Saw Your Boobs. Yes. The thing that happened clearly didn't bother Charlize Theron that much, but because <laughs> she keeps working with him, but that's just real. That's kind of a rough hang. Um, and family guy being family guy and you know, that's yep. long time been a litmus test for me. If you like family guy a little too much, I don't know that I fucks with your energy like that, my dog. So that's, that's a real barrier to entry for was for me and would be probably for a lot of people that said this show is saved by the rule of three, maybe not enough to stay with it, but the third episode really kind of pulls something out and does exactly that thing that Kate's been telling me this show does since she started watching it, which is really remind you of what TNG at its best really did, which is basically just like a thought experiment, like played out. And I feel like it's, so the basic premise here is, I didn't quite understand the chronology initially, but in the first episode, you have the Ed Mercer character who was one of the brightest stars in the Union fleet, but kind of spun out a bit because he found his wife in bed with, I don't recall the name of the alien, the alien species, but um, he's blue <laughs> and, his, and his head exploded. Not exploded, but I mean shot blue stuff in surprise all over uh, when yep. they got walked in on. Also, I like that it didn't speak English and it just kind of screeched at him. <laughs> <laughs> stuff was happening. That got my first kind of like, snort out of the episode. Um, and then he kind of like, you know, is is adrift for a number of years and ends up getting this uh, this command of the Orville. And this is, I rolled my eyes at this because it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a first officer and the first officer ends up being his ex-wife. Because she asked for it, and you find out by the end of the episode, she petitioned for him to get the command to try and get his, you know, get his life back in order sort of thing. Um, and that episode is really, you know, setting things up. I don't remember what the conflict was in that episode. Oh, that was the time advancing. Yes. Which is one part classic TNG, go to outpost, find thing that has happened. Invention has been once, you know. Our our version of Cardassians here, uh, you know, want want the device, and you know, how are they going to keep them from absconding with it, sort of thing, and mm-hmm. mainly just putting putting our characters on the board and establishing them. Episode two, classic sort of formula as well, where you know, I thought it was, I almost thought it was a little too early in the uh, in the series run to in the season to pull this this card out, but you know, where right where lower, you know, the fourth person in command ends up having to like run the shop. Oh, what was that Kiefer Sutherland show? Where he was like the 24? No, where he was like uh he was like the Secretary of Agriculture or something, but like everybody else got killed and he ended up becoming president. Like, you know, just where you like, I have no idea. Something survivor. Ah, fuck, I don't remember what it was called, but that's the jam, right? The captain, the first officer, um Bortus, the third officer or uh, he's second officer, right? Right. First Captain, uh, yeah. first officer, second officer. Uh, Bordis is comes from a well, Mocklins. That's the name of the species. 
That is correct. They're all male, uh, and they they reproduce with eggs. Bordis has laid an egg. This will all come back in episode three. Pay attention. Um, Bordis is unavailable because he is nesting <laughs> with his egg. He will not be bothered. So it falls to Alara. Is that her name? I believe so, yes. Very young, first command. She's the security officer type of thing. She's got to run the ship. So it's like everybody's gone. She's got to make the hard decisions, that sort of thing. That's, you know, we've seen that in the episode of Star Trek before. You know, I think the classic one was where Data had to run the ship and like. Yep. And he had to stand up to Worf, who's being a dick. Right. And he had to like make those decisions and get the crew to trust him. Like that's all stuff that happens in Star Trek. And there's a moment in that episode of the Orville where like, so what happens is the. Uh, Ed and the what's the what's her name? I can't remember. Come on, Oracle, find it for Do, me. Um, also, it's uh, designated survivor. Designated survivor. I knew she'd come through with it. Uh, <laughs> come on, Oracle. What's uh, her name? What? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Ke- Kelly Grayson, Commander Kelly Grayson. So Ed and Kelly have been basically. Uh, like what they call it like a bear trap has been put out for them. They're basically in like a interstellar zoo. They're the human representatives of this zoo. And yeah. there's a moment of kind of like moralizing in that episode where it's like, what kind of people would do this? Well, it wasn't that long ago where we put animals in zoos for our enjoyment. We just thought, you know, it was our right. I was like, well, mm-hmm. that's clumsy. <laughs> Thanks. But that's clumsy. Um, That episode was fine. But in the third episode, Bordis' egg has hatched, and they have, him and his partner, have given birth to a beautiful baby girl, which is odd for a species, which is typically universally male. Yep. And Bordis is like, well, that won't stand. Let's go get this sorted out, and goes to the the ship's doctor to basically request a gender you know, reassignment surgery on his baby. (laughs) And the doctor is like, the fuck I will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Claire. I love Claire so much. And that's basically how that episode plays out. Where like, this is how things go on. This is a real prime directive kind of like, you know, philosophical experiment, which is very Star Trek. It's like, that doesn't vibe with your beliefs crew of Orville, but Bordis's entire, you know, Mocklin society is based around this notion and it goes to, it goes to trial and they make a, they make a very solid case that, you know, this choice should be left up to the child type of thing. And at the end of it, they lose. Yep. The, the, the Mocklin tribunal declines that there has been sufficient evidence that, you know, this should be a thing that happens. And then the child should be able to make the choice. Because their argument is like, you're just saying, you know, are you not doing injury? You know, you're doing injury to the child to do this. Well, you're not doing injury to the child to like set them up for a lifetime of, you know, being shunned and ignored and abused and outcast from their society. And it's like, well, that's a sticky wicket. Um, And they end up making this very, you know, what in a, a lazier show would be like, hooray. That's a perfect example. You know, they, they find the one other woman on Mocklin society and bring mm-hmm. her down. And she ends up being like, have being like their greatest author who they all quote all the time. She just wrote under a ghost under a pen name. And that's not enough for this tribunal. They're like, Nope, you have not prevented sufficient evidence. 
Well, they don't have under the prime direct under their version of the prime directive or whatever. They don't have the grounds to get further involved, even though by this point, Bordis is kind of on board with letting, leaving the child alone and letting it choose. Um, they end up doing the surgery and you find out that Bordis's partner was born female and had the surgery. Like yep. sort of thing. They just they threw all this stuff. I'd, I'd be curious to see who wrote the episode, but like that was the moment that episode I was, you know, on my phone for most of the first, most of the first two, but that third episode, I was like, okay, you're doing some shit now, Orville. Like this is. And, and it does, it does continue to be that way. And specifically in the second season, like they do some, more of the like I'm gonna call it like stupid humor. Um, in the in the first season they sprinkle that a little bit more. In the second season, it's even more like TNG. Like, like and and they don't leave things to rest. Like they're not never going to bring up issues with Mocklin society again, mm. right? It's not like it's done and over. And I really like that. I like shows that continually say, hey there's an issue with this and yeah. That oh, kind of it, thing. it don't seem like Bordas and his husband are, uh, you know, copacetic by the end of that episode. Like they probably yeah. got some stuff to work through. Um, you will still bump into, and this was in the first two episodes. So, I mean, maybe they kind of understand that they can find their humor other ways. You will bump into what I considered family guy esque comedic rhythms where like, she Kelly comes in to talk to Ed about something in the first or second episode. And while they're having this like in-depth discussion where Ed's coming to terms with like, you know, like, you know, you, you made the right choice. You know, I think you should be here type of thing. And like some dudes outside the window, like cleaning and it keeps yeah. like cutting to that a little bit more. Like that's a real, like, it seems like a real family guy, non sequitur type of type of comedic rhythm. And I was like, Nope, you don't need it. We don't need that here. Take it, take it somewhere they, they else. Get, Go put it over there. They get, I'd like to say they get, with their humor, they get maybe wittier um, as opposed to falling back on sort of like the, I mean, there's still touches of it here and there. It is a Seth MacFarlane show, right? Um, we're not going to escape it entirely, but the rest of the show makes up for it really well. Um, and it, it does smooth out and, and get better and find its feet um, even more so in the second season. And I also mentioning it to, uh, give it credit for not doing or not leaning into this as hard as I thought it would. There's definitely a scene in the first episode where it's like uh, Kelly almost seems kind of grovelly to Ed for like, you know, it kind of it, it brushed up against like male fantasy shit for me where it's like, yeah, come back and see your sorry. <laughs> like right. beg to be on this ship. I'm like, this is starting to feel gross. It doesn't really stay with that mode. Um, she may still have feelings for her. I don't know that the ex husband, the ex, the divorce portion really needs to be in there. I don't know how that's going to play out in future episodes, but um, all that is to say, you cannot ignore just what a love letter this is to the, you know, nineties Star Trek, the next generation. Like Seth MacFarlane is a guy who has made a lot of networks, a lot of money and probably, decided this is what he wanted to do like he yeah, wanted to make that is, th- he wanted to make that western yeah. musical or whatever so he got to do that and now he wanted to like <laughs> you could almost argue that it brushes up against fanfic that it's too close to star trek in that uh, sort of vibe but i mean he clearly 
and everyone working on the show clearly loves this stuff. Oh yeah, and they they're the the intro. Okay, so couple things. First, the intro of the Orville oh my God. is so the music, the cues they're yes, using are it's exactly. so it's so reminiscent. Yeah, and I had a conversation with someone. I can't remember who it was, and they were like, "I keep on having this problem where I can't remember if a storyline or a thing was from the <laughs> Orville or Discovery. Like, like I'm mixing them up." Uh, honestly, that episode three—if that's the kind of energy they keep with for the next two seasons—then yeah, of course you could yeah. you could be confused like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it, it's. <sighs> I think that is it's not it's not that it's terrible to do something different with Star Trek, but I think what was most important and and definitely Discovery has sort of gotten back to that is this idea of exploration and and science and discovery being the foundation of I mean. space travel i'm pretty sure it's what you've said at one point like there's a reason why star wars is called star wars and there's a reason why star trek is called star trek like the title emphasizes what the like draw is and when jj abrams in an interview was like i always hated star trek because there wasn't enough like shooting and battles i was like go i was like go just fuck off and make star wars then a flight of stairs (laughs) which he did and then he he ruined for me this show is an eight especially like getting to the end of the first season slash second season i know that's not fair in the first three episodes i might have given it a seven initially because i was really worried about that seth mcfarland humor that i'm not it's just not my it's not my thing right um it's like it's, it's fart jokes right i'm not i don't care about fart jokes I don't find them funny. I just, I know Hakayim is going to be like, but farts are hilarious. Boobies, y'all. Boobies. Yeah, I just, I don't find that funny, but it does get, it gets better. It gets wittier. The writing gets better. The storylines get better. So keep with it. And Jordan, what what is your, what is your kick punch rating? I am uh, magnanimously giving it an eight. I don't know if it's my jam going forward, but I can definitely see how, it, I definitely see how it's your jam and I yeah. think it's doing a good job of being your jam. And I will say if like you are, if you have been disillusioned with current iterations of Star Trek and you miss that vibe that Kate's always missing where it's like Star Trek, you know, space travel and exploration as metaphor for issues of the day. Like if you're going to keep doing what you did in episode three, this is, this is going to give you that vibe. And that's, that's a credit to them loving this, loving the Star Trek franchise as much as they do. And it's, it's clear on in every way they approach it, even though there might be, you know, a wee joke or a, you know, or, you know, like Kate said, farts, farts and boobies once in a while, because dude just can't help himself. But, um, I also liked how they got them out of the zoo by just offering them a heart. Offering the aliens a hard drive full of reality television, like it's the finest. It the is fi- the zoo. The finest species of uh, of humans you'll <laughs> you'll ever find. Far more, far more exciting than. Also, that is to say, also that Isaac's pretty dope, and I look for. I might stay with it just to see, uh, just to see him be a low key douche to everyone around him for a. It's amazing. Is he a robot? <laughs> he is a robot. All right. So yeah, it's uh, it's eight for me. Like I said, don't know if I'll stay with it, but I mean, there are. It doesn't need to be an hour. Most things don't. <laughs> and I did feel that in some of the pacing where it's like, 
I feel like this is the point where we could have ended this, but we got another 15 minutes to fill. So wrinkle <laughs> plot twist. Um, but that's sitting on a, uh, sitting on star, the, the grown up channel of the Disney plus. Yeah. So you can go and go and check that out. Two seasons available for you. If you want to let me know how much you loved Reframe 2019, available this Friday on Netflix, you can hit me up on Twitter.com at GeekDownPod. And if you want to let me know how badly you also want to punch J.J. Abrams, you can, I don't know, send an email? GeekDownPod at gmail.com. Give, give Caitlin all your hot, all the hottest Star Wars takes, which I will be forwarding to her without reading because I do not need Star Wars <laughs> takes in my life. Um, <laughs> and friends... That's just about going to do it for this installment of the Geek Down Podcast. We thank you so much for spending your hour plus change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you join us next week for another amazing, amazing, amazing episode of the Geek Down Podcast. dream is hmm. to be able to make the sound that a empire fighter makes <laughs> as it flies by mm. I, I can't it's like totally it's not you can't do it you try it again no no i can't <laughs> okay hold on maybe i can just i can't but i'll try um hold on i gotta like I, I want to look up like a TIE fighter like sound clip, but it's not going to help. I just, I did it the other day and I was like, Row! like it just doesn't, it doesn't, I, I don't have the reverberation. You sound like a sexy tiger. <laughs> <laughs> uh.